Oh, God. Oh, goodness. Man, if we could keep in the things that uh, we have to cut out. Hey, that's what she said. I, wow. I, I worry. <laughs> I really do worry. Um, Welcome to the Movie Builder Org podcast, episode number 59. That's one away from 60. Oh my word. I'm Kushal. I'm Karen. Welcome. Oh, we do maths. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this is the video game episode. Now, we should probably preface this with saying that whilst we're going to be talking about video games and films, it's not just exclusively... We're not just talking about pew, 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 pew. We're talking about kind of... Which game is that? Gallagher? <laughs> kind of, I guess, yeah. References. We're going to be talking about kind of... Okay, so if you don't like video games, or if you've never played a video game, it's probably not worth you listening to this episode. But listen anyway, you might learn something. Um, we'll be talking about kind of the, the layers in which it takes to kind of make a video game film and how we can translate that experience of playing a video game into a film. Oh, yeah. Oh, and this is why they don't work. Yes. Let's begin. Oh, I thought that was the end. <laughs> oh yeah, that literally is. That is it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. We have, we have summarized. <laughs> yeah. Now let's tell them again. Okay. Um, cause as, <laughs> As all good articles do, they just tell you the same thing three times. Um, so what inspired this? What did we watch? We watched Tomb Raider. Yeah, that was what, like three months ago now? Yeah, what's it, what was the title of that movie? Tomb Raider and the... Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. And Storyboard Theft. Tomb Raider and the slightly better directors. Yes. You really... So you're all... I'm um, a fan of that film. Yeah, your reaction to that first scene was interesting to watch because you got really excited after that first scene. Yes. Um, tell me why. Partly to do with what you were just talking about, which is that people don't make good computer uh, movies from computer games, mm. and there's a lot more to why they don't. And um, um, there's, there are clear, there's, you know, it's very easy to understand why these things don't translate well and where they don't translate well is where people have just gone for the, the cheesy hammy scenes where they try and reference things in, um, the computer, com the, the, the game yeah, where yeah. people say, okay, so this character, their backstory is X, Y, Z. So let's first talk about X and then Y and then Z. And it's like, yeah, that's just a backstory that was made for the game. Mm. It wasn't made for a movie. It was made to help you relate to the character that you're basically mm. playing. Mm. When you're watching a, char a character in a movie, you you have to be invested in a completely different way. You have to uh, relate to the character and, and almost sympathize with them because it's not you there's more of an empathic sort of thing, uh, uh, dynamic going on mm. because it's not you having the adventure as you are in a computer game where you're making, uh, I hate the phrase computer game. I'm just going to say game yep, yep. and assume that the game is being played on a, compu on a computing <laughs> machine yes. on one of these fancy new computer chaos, game. Yeah. chaos engines. 
So um, it, it's not us making a decision in the game when we're watching a movie. It's someone else is making decisions and we're watching how those decisions are being made. And you can't relate to the, the danger, the implications of those decisions mm. mentally, mm. unless you are first invested in the character. Mm. So the reason I was getting excited was because this, what's it called? Tomb Raider and the... Just Tomb Raider. Producers Who Cared? Yeah, that's the subtitle. <laughs> it must be a subtitle. No, it's just Tomb Raider. The poster says... Alicia Vikander is Alicia Lara Vikander. <laughs> yeah, is is Lara Croft, and it's a Tomb Raider, March sixteen. That's it, literally. Okay, sure. So um, they didn't do that. They didn't have this completely unrelatable character, this billionaire's daughter, mm. um, who is also some kind of superhero for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And that part of it's not explained in the game. Yeah. Uh, the game is notoriously um, misogynistic from its sources. Mm. Just, uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about a game that, and um, the, the, the podcast that, the episode of the, that we were talking about before this was, um, they talked about this. The game is made, it was made famous because of Laura Croft's unusually large breasts. That was the that was the game, and well, that's what the that game was famous. The it's, un unusual giant triangles. Yeah, yeah, the triangle, big, big pyramidal polygons, pixel boobs. Yeah, um, the game itself was not that good, uh, but the new game, the mm. reboot mm. on the ne this latest generation of consoles, yeah. was a lot better. It was like a cinematic. Right, and game. It, it focuses more on the story and about the character rather than does. Gameplay, whilst that, how again, they have improved as well, that kind of takes a back step. And in the forefront, we have the story about the character, which almost how she came to be and kind of her motivations for doing or becoming an adventurer. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we didn't really get from the older games. And, but that's kind of general. Well, they didn't care. They, no. they just, it was just a stupid story. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of something that we're seeing from video games these days is we're, we're going, we're starting to see a more cinematic experience. We're seeing more focus on story. I mean, they're getting the composers in for the music, what they're, they're making it feel more like a cinematic experience, but they're putting us directly into these experiences. So I think I was getting excited because there's this story concept yeah. that should have been, as one of my friends says, burned in a fire when sure. it was yeah. <laughs> first thought of. Yeah. And, um, and here we have a production company uh, who, I don't know who made it, who made this movie. The director. Yeah. His name was Raw. Wuthaug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing at his name. That's just, just how you said it. It's Norwegian. <laughs> It's like a very Just posh... Play it Roar or something. What how He sounded like a really posh... Roar. Yeah, he's Norwegian. All right. A Norwegian gentleman. Roar. Roar. Um, yeah. Like a lion. Look, like a lion, mon. Roar. Um, what, who, who was it? GK Films, MGM, Square Enix. Okay. Go so on. what they did was they said, right let's actually make something out of this. And they ignored everything in the game. They ignored everything that had been done before. And they said, let's actually set up a pre-story that builds her character and lets you as a non-billionaire's daughter relate to this, mm. that this person is actually having struggles. This yeah. person's actually experiencing life on some level mm. that we would expect someone who was brought up in mm. a billionaire's home to not have experienced. Mm. So they made the character 
interesting, relatable. Um, they made you empathize with her plight, and they did all the groundwork that's necessary for us to become invested in the rest of her story mm. in the movie. And they didn't try and just tick a box from the game. Mm. That was, uh, oh, I wouldn't say it was genius, but it was very clever. Yeah. It was very good, impressive to see. And I think what, what helped it was the fact that it wasn't just a, another sloppy translation from video game to film. It was, it worked as an, uh, obviously the game has, has a lot of credit to take from this. It, it's almost direct, a direct shot for shot to some extent of the game storyboard, of the game storyboard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what worked is that this is what well, we're going to be using these, this, this kind of comparison to the whole episode, but the experience of us, playing and watching that game, um, they've taken that concept and translated it onto the film. They've helped us experience that video game, but in a cinematic perspective. And I think that's what's, that's what's helped us. And that's what's helped that film. Yes. Um, and so obviously through that, we've kind of been able to experience the same feelings that we had when we first started playing that game. And that's how these films should work. Yeah. Did you find the same experience watching Rampage? See, no, because I didn't really play Rampage when I was younger. Um, I don't think there's much of a story there to make a film out of. Who's seen it? The movie? Yeah. No. So obviously Rampage, didn't, there was no story in the, in the Indian regional. Not that I'm against people that have disabilities in movies. That's Skyscraper. Oh, sorry. Same thing, really. Fucking ridiculous articles. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Um, but that was a difference with Rampage and this was that Rampage was kind of on an out and out destruction flick, but it didn't, it wasn't shying away from the fact that it was a joke and it was just all about fun. Um, and I think that's what was interesting about that film was that it, it didn't take itself seriously at all. And yes, it was based off an old game, but it, took very small elements of this uh, retro video game and made it into a destruction film. Disaster movie. In was it a good film? It was an enjoyable film. Good is a next level up. Is there any age at which you would have thought this was an amazing film? Like if you're a teenager or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. I think it probably, if I was younger and I had... The Pacific Rim, um, the Pacific Rim argument. Yes, yes, yeah. I don't think it's almost one step above Pacific Rim because Pacific Rim was clearly catered to kids who were twelve, whereas this was a bit more adult than that. This was kind okay. of twelve A, bordering on fifteen, minus okay. the violence. You've put Force Unleashed in here. Explain that to me. Because we've, um, I was curious that I saw that and I was like, you just putting that in there to talk about Star Wars for it as an excuse, like. No, um, I think it's it's very interesting that the Star Wars universe mm. expanded in books, mm. and I'm not talking about this because it's Star Wars. I'm literally talking about this because it's. Uh, a computer game related computer game 
related thing. I just have fucking keep saying computer game today. <laughs> so I'm only talking about it because it's a computer game related article. No, I'm, uh, because did you play Force Unleashed? I enjoyed it. Did you play the second one? Yes. And how was your perspective on the the concept of the Sith after playing those games? Um, it made me empathize with them. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's very weird. This is actually the idea for the episode that we have is about talking about villains and how they can be portrayed as heroes. Yeah. The books and games have done a lot to develop the Star Wars universe. Yeah. To the extent where the films are now embracing things that have been in the games. And the concept of the of the Sith seems to have evolved. Why the fuck do you yawn every time I talk about Star Wars? <laughs> I start every time. <laughs> every flipping time. And it's not even like a little yawn. It's like a... <laughs> well, anyway. Um, I think that there's been a lot of uh, 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 snake eating its own tail going on with um, Uroboros. That's what it's called. What's that? Snake eating its own tail symbol. Okay. It's very old yeah, for a separate conversation. Um, <laughs> it's, in that, it's in that Tolkien book, actually. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it's on my list. Yeah, right under Mystery Men. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I think there's been an evolution that happens in in the gaming world that feeds back into film, mm. uh, which is with that 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 that's quite uh, an interesting and and fulfilling thing to see uh, and, and to experience when you play a game and you watch a movie and the two things are relating to each mm. other. Mm. So I, I think that's there's been a two way thing. I think mm. there's been games made from movies, but also movie concepts that have come from the game. Yes. Um, uh, because I, I almost feel like characters like Darth Maul were engineered to be played at some point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have that, that, that thing, that, that thing about them. Anyway, uh, resident evil. Yeah. This, see, this was an interesting one for me because I remember playing the first one way back when. I wasn't a big fan of the games. No, because I couldn't play them. Like, I'm not... Couldn't play them. Yeah, that's just too jumpy for me. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. like, I can't... That, that's one thing that I've never been able to rationalize in my mind. Yeah. Is that I can watch horror films easy, fine. I know that it's just a film. Yeah. But it's the... Uh, this, this goes back to the whole experience thing, is that when you're playing these games, you are right in the thick of the experience of playing these horror games. Yes. There is no music. It is dead silent. Yeah, You're yeah, walking yeah. through these yeah. tight corridors. It's black behind you. It's black in front of you. You can't see shit. And Do all you... of a sudden you hear a rattle and you shit yourself. Well, you know, did you ever play Doom? No. The Doom uh, reboot? N- no. That was some scary shit. Uh, there's, there's, you know, the lights go out and all you have is a torch. And the game makes you calibrate your monitor so it is truly black. And all you're seeing is just, you're just seeing whatever the torch sees. And around it, weirdly, there's no reflected light. You're just seeing literally what's in that torch gap. It's, yeah. There's, there's two other examples that come to mind. There's there's the game, uh, have you ever played, called, played, played a game called Dead Space? No, I, I knew you were going to say that. I've not played it, but I've seen it and I actually thought I'm not going to play that game. Yeah, that's one of the, <laughs> that thing, that's the only game that has ever scared me so much that I just, <laughs> I, I started playing and I just put it down straight away. Wow. It was horrific. <laughs> 
horrific. But that is a, again, this is, remind me, it's very, it takes, you can tell it takes inspiration from Alien because it, it takes place on a ship. So an Alien game did that to me. Okay. I don't know which game, I can't remember what game it was. It was yeah. quite a few years ago. Okay. It, was, it might have been that one that they released recently, wasn't it? No, no, no. This is, I mean, I played it when I was in my old house a long time ago. I was there. Um, and 2014? No, it was earlier than that. Oh. It was many years ago. And it was one of the first ones they did. And it was, it was really interesting. It was like, oh, this is really high spec, high resolution game. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. a PC based game. And I was running around the space station and it's like, oh yeah, this is that thing. And this is that thing. And this is that thing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you, you're just kind of like, as if you sort of uh, face huggers. Oh yeah. Um, and then yeah. suddenly, it suddenly hits tick, 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 tick on the, on the, um, <laughs> on the meter. What was it called? So yeah, yeah, no, I think the, the connecting energy meter thing. Yeah, yeah, and you're just like, what, what, what is that coming from? And then at some point, you see it cross you, and it's obviously gone either underneath you or above you because it just gives you a two-dimensional thing. And you're like, oh my, what the hell? Mm. And uh, I was playing it in the dark, and in the game, all the lights go out and red lights come on, and I was like, I don't know if I can play this. This is what's interesting. So that subjectivity yeah. versus yeah. So what's the, again? So the thing with that is, I almost think that's a step down from playing Dead Space, right? Now with with, with this, we've seen the xenomorphs, right? So we know what they look like. It's something we're kind of familiar with. So we're not massively afraid of them, right? Because we know what they are. Okay. But try multiplying that and being afraid of something that you don't know what the fuck you're looking at. <laughs> It's that dead space. So dead space have these weird human-like creatures yes. that have morphed into like a John Carpenter movie. Yeah, 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 and they're just really strangely contorted humans. They look like kind of human skin, but they just kind of walk with two arms almost. Yeah. They're just things you don't know. So that's the fear of the unknown. So you play these games, and again, there's no music, but it's the sound effects that they use. They play, you know you play with headphones. I can't imagine what that experience is like, but you're in the ship. You hear these noises. There's no sign of anything coming towards you. But when something happens, it's like bang right in front of you. Uh. The weapons that you're handed are just like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> Scissors. Yeah. Smack it over the head. <laughs> um, but that is, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's the experience. And there's, you can't, it's so difficult to translate that experience into a film. You have to be a really good storyteller to be able to and director to be able to translate that kind of experience and this is the other thing yeah. so you can translate you can translate a book or a comic book uh or some kind of similar source material onto a film right because yeah because the format's different right you have all the all the things in front of you, Not you the almost, format i don't know what to, uh, what to call it medium I, I don't know um yeah the medium's different perspective yeah okay whereas you kind of look at uh, a video game you can't translate an experience easily. How do you, how do you translate a subjective experience yes. onto a movie? You don't know how I felt when I played that game. And also the decisions you made in the game are different to the decisions that exactly. I made. So like, a, a good example of this is Deus Ex. I get very, very worried every time I hear that someone's got a license to make a Deus Ex mm. movie. Because that movie can be played in very, very yeah. different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm. I've got... Um, a brother-in-law that yeah. plays this game like he's playing Quake. Yeah. Like he's looking for the largest, biggest weapons. Yeah. He's always running <laughs> with those weapons. Yeah. And I'm I'm playing it like I'm playing some kind of strategic military thriller, Stealth. creeping yeah, yeah, around yeah. corners, actually trying not to kill people, <laughs> um, trying to be as ingenious as I can to get from one place to another. Yeah. Um, and 
which one of those experiences do you put in the movie? Yeah. And if you try and put them both, it'll just, it'll be awkward. Mm. So yeah. Okay. So we've, we've, we've solved that problem. Is there, are there any movies that have tried to do this? I think um, Edge of Tomorrow is probably one of the finest examples of um, something that took, it's not even, okay. So the, the thing with Edge of Tomorrow is it's not based on a video game. All you need is a kill of this. Yes. Kill of this. Yeah. So it's not a, it's not a game. Which is the name of the original anime. Yes. Was it anime or was it a, Ch- a Japanese? It was anime, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It was a, well, it was originally a manga comic called All You Need Is Kill. Yeah. Um, with a character called. Keiji. Keiji. Kiro des. Yeah. Who in the Tom Cruise movie was called. Bill Cage. Bill Cage. Uh, they made the name Kill into Bill. Mm. Yeah, it's not as gruesome. It's better if a character is called Kill. Sure. You should always call them Kill. Kill Killy. Cage. Killy. Killian Cage. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that would be a better option, mm. probably. And um, there's a character called Killy in, in Blame as well. Um, but yes, this was an, a manga that used movie game mechanics. Go on, you were going to say. But this is what's interesting about this film is that it it, t- it takes these concepts that we know, that video game players know uh, exist in uh, the, the video game universe, right? So this podcast I was listening to is called The First Word by FirstShowing.net. Okay. Plug, I guess, if we have to. Um, and they were discussing this, and they discussed this in uh, an interesting, interesting way, is growing up playing video games, you start to learn these rules, right? And put, if we're going to mention them and, and, and talk about what they were talking about, we're going to put a reference to their podcast. We yeah, should. Kind of, yeah. Yep. Um, growing up playing video games, you start to learn these kind of unwritten rules and these mechanics about video games that if you continue playing them, you just start to understand. And they made this really interesting comparison about, not even comparison, the interesting reference to kind of, if you in a video game walk up to, a kind of massive eyeball on the wall. Yeah. Your natural inclination as a video game player is to shoot the eyeball because you think something's going to happen in a normal situation. There's no other normal situation where you would want to shoot an eyeball, but you've learned these rules and you've learned these experiences by playing video games because it's just the thing to do. You wouldn't push a box into a corner because you think it's going to hit a switch in a normal situation. But because you've played video games, you start to do these things. You start to be more inquisitive about the things around you. Yeah. I I was thinking I, I would shoot near it. Uh, I would then maybe shoot it. Yeah. And if it didn't do anything, I would jump up and rub my body against it <laughs> about 20 times. Yes. And see if it, it reacts to me jumping up and rubbing my body against it. Or see if I can just somehow walk through it like it's not real. Is that what you mean? That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> I, I wouldn't normally expect someone in a movie to, to, to do that. No, no, obviously. Yeah. But as in like, if we're playing video games or whatever, but you know, the other thing is again, the whole respawn thing, right? That's what I was going with this respawning. I guess who, if you're not playing a video game, respawning to you is a concept that's stupid, right? Yes. It's like, why would you die and come back to life? That's just nonsense. Right. But you play a video game, you play things like gears of war, you play the halo, you play all these things over and over again. You start to realize that this is normal and you watch it in a film and it's like, that makes sense. We're, we're in the, we're in a universe, right? Yeah. You've, you've been taken into this universe where I guess your suspension of disbelief has been 
it's you know whatever it's it's not even there anymore because you're watching a film that's by all accounts a ridiculous concept you're in a battlefield and you get to respawn you get to do over the things that you fucked up on where else can you experience that but a video game there are games that try to to move away from that mechanic aren't there yeah um yeah. there are games which try and just give you this that one <clears throat> go and if you mess it up mm. Or, or, or it costs you a lot of money to uh, a lot. It costs you a lot of some kind of game based pain. Yeah. Like GTA often yeah. to, to die. Yes. You, you lose all your things. Yeah. And you're basically entering this world almost as a different person, except yeah. you're carrying on the same storyline, which makes no sense. But see, that's where the lines start to get blood because yes. playing that, yeah. then you start to, your mind starts to get a bit fucked up because you're like, what? Like, we're doing this thing. You've got <laughs> physics you've got real things happening. You can't fly. You can't blow th a building up. But hold on a second, I'm dead, but I'm coming back to life. What? How am I? I've just fallen off a cliff. How am I coming back to life again? And you start to think about, this is when things start to get strange because you're playing a video game and you're expected to play it like it's a real thing. Okay, but that mechanic itself has come from gaming. Yes. Because Humans have been playing games for thousands of years. Mm. There, are, there are ancient stories about cultures that have managed to get through um, years of drought and starvation through yeah. um, splitting into communities yes. that then play games to occupy themselves, yeah. um, so that they're not so that they're focused on on these menial things and getting through life rather than being focused on the big problem of oh my god we don't have enough food. Yeah. Um, um, and and many other stories like that. And games, as they evolved over thousands of years, have that concept of if you lose, like if you lose playing poker, you can buy back in. Yes. Um, so it so it, it itself is a mechanic that came from physical non-computer games mm. that you can lose in a game and you're knocked out. Yeah. But under certain conditions, you can go again. Mm. And then we've added cinematic so it's almost the other way around we've added cinematic movie concepts on top of that game mechanic yeah to to to, to an extent if yeah. you see, see what i mean yeah so that's weird and that's what's made this weirdly fused dual universe of it's cinematic reality but you can go again well this is um we talked about this very briefly when we're talking about jumanji <laughs> well welcome to the jungle the new one that came out we watched that didn't we yes yeah um, and why I enjoyed that film was because they took this, was it, it was Lawrence, wasn't it? Cast was, no, uh, Jake, Jack, Jake, sorry. Um, they took this concept of a video game and they've overlaid it on top of this, uh, story that we already knew. And they've made it into this modern kind of film that we could relate to. Um, and they've made it into a video game. Yeah, they had the concept of, was it three lives? Yeah, that's right. And they get to respawn. Obviously, when they die, they come back to life. Yeah. And then they've only got one life left or whatever, but they've got power-ups and they've got pickups and all this kind of stuff. And then that's that's why I enjoyed that film was because they delved into the concept of Jumanji. They've taken a board game. They've understood that game. Maybe people don't play board games as much anymore. Should we then change it, change it into something that people can relate to. And yeah. they've done that with the video games. Yeah. Um, so th this is along the same lines as, um, ready player one, which is stories that are 
inspired from this yep. uh, uh, pseudo world that yep. we, we create, that we inhabit when we play games yep. and have been for well, what, what amounts to generations now. Yeah. Um, I just, you just made me think of something, which is um, the doctor technically respawns. Yes. And just like a computer game, when he respawns, yeah. he's more powerful for a short time. New game plus. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He can regenerate hands and stuff when he's he respawns. for a short time. And I've, I'd never thought of it that way before. But that's a computer game mechanic. Computer games. All right. Yeah, I suppose you, I don't really want to admit that, but yeah, I guess it is. You don't, you don't want to. You don't want to admit it. <laughs> Have you seen the trailer for the new one? Yeah, oh, I haven't seen it. Uh, I think. Um, oh, you started watching it again, That's but you watched cool. a painful one. It sounds like. Yeah, it was silly. What happened in it? I texted you today. What was it? Uh, oh, it was a school one. They were doing the hacking thing. Oh my god! Yeah. How do I make? A visual basic GUI that can track an IP address. <laughs> Is that what it was like that? Exactly like that. <clears throat> but in this one, the kids were doing it. Please check that meme if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's beautiful. Especially if you're from a technical background. Um, <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, really frustratingly disappointing film because mm. the game was so cinematic with such a, a wonderful story mm. that I could imagine as being a story in a movie. Mm. And yet, yeah. <laughs> what happened there? Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoyed some of it. <clears throat> yeah. The bits where he was actually in the uh, uh, animus uh, animus yeah. that was, they were, Awesome, but he didn't stay in it long enough. No. Um, but then when they directly start to reference the other characters within the games, like the, the incarnations of Desmond, was it basically? Desmond. Um, and they start to reference all the other ones from the, you know, Civil War periods and the um, Spanish, not Spanish, we thought was one of the film, the other ones. Oh, yeah. Whatever, like the uh, Native American ones and all the other ones. That was like, okay, they've op now they've opened up the entire universe, but then we find out that it's not really going to happen because they don't really do that well. Uh, the f it was a frustrating film. And it's disappointing because you know that, this, like you said, the stories have so much potential because they have real relevance behind them yeah. and kind of how they translate to especially, today's world. Especially the historical relevance. Right. They could have done so much with that. It's a story that you you kind of want people to know and how do you tell a story that may otherwise, you know, take place on the history channel. How do you translate that story into something that people would actually be interested in? Yeah. It's like, I mean, Assassin's Creed, I think is a, is a, is a revolution in gaming. Mm. It's one of those games where you could say, you could say, um, <clears throat> you could say to your, your, your kid or, or younger nephew or whatever. Um, listen, Play Assassin's Creed, and then let's talk about the Crusades. Mm. Play Assassin's Creed 2, and then let's talk about the Renaissance. Mm -hmm. Play Assassin's... Do you see what mm. I mean? It's like you can discuss history. Mm. I, I've heard from um, relatives who go abroad, mm. and <laughs> one just came back from Italy, <laughs> and he was looking around at buildings, and he was saying, I've climbed that, 
climb that. <laughs> I've climbed that. <laughs> yes. And and that's a wonderful yeah. experience mm. that they didn't really, I don't think they researched mm. that game player perspective because mm. that's a very simple scene to mm. use to relate to the audience. Yeah. To have him experience something in real life mm. or a situation that he's experienced yeah. in the game. They just missed the boat on that one. Yeah. Um, okay. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Trick, Mr. Boat, Mr. Tr I'm not sure what phrase I'm using, but you anyway. Miss Trick, Mr. Yeah. Trick indeed. Uh, um, what else we got in here? Did you see Warcraft? I didn't. I, I, don't I envy you. <laughs> is that a bit Shannara? It is quite a bit Shannara. Incidentally, Terry, Terry Brooks, Terry Brooks, uh, wrote the novel for episode one and i don't know if he had anything to do with the <laughs> the, the, the film but it could explain why the entire movies uh, parts of it a little bit are a little bit shinara yes warcraft movie was um steaming pile of shit really it, it was just i not i didn't even like it for a, you know sometimes you watch something that's a little bit crap yeah and you you still like it for about half an hour yes not even that but Not, you told me, you were, you were telling me some stuff, you saying that it wasn't that bad at certain parts or something? Yeah, there's elements of this movie that have greatness, mm. but they went down the wrong way and it wasn't representative of anywhere near it. I, I, I don't know. They tried to make a movie of the Warcraft world rather than making a movie of people's experience playing the game. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, Assassin's Creed tried to make a movie of people's experience playing the game, but they did that wrong as well. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. I don't know what these companies are playing at. I think, I think this is a new area of filmmaking yeah. that they don't know how to handle. Yeah. Although saying that, I was a big fan of Hitman Forty Seven, Agent for Hitman. That wasn't Agent the Timothy Oliphant one, was it? No, no, no. no okay. Timothy Oliphant one was still fun to watch. Okay. Very, very cheesy. Um, it was like watching a Die Hard movie or something. <laughs> uh, but this, this. Uh, Agent 47 was a very low-key, low-key, not low-key, like God, but low-key um, and interesting and tried to have more of a backstory and an explanation behind what was going on. It's really disappointing that these films don't do well at all. So I'm just looking at the, the scores, right? So, so I'm trying to dig into, I, I don't think it's just the subjectivity as to why they don't do well. I think mm. it's also because they're, they're approaching the movie in mm. a completely wrong way. They're trying to take the character backstory yeah. and the character playing story and turn that into a movie when yeah. what they should be focusing on is the experience of is either. The, I think there's only two options. There's either turn the player experience into a movie mm. somehow. Mm. And this is where I think ready player one shines because mm. uh, it crosses that bridge over and over and over mm. again, um, seamlessly or do what Tomb Raider did, mm. which is take a sharp left turn when you start writing this script and realize that you're writing a movie, not a game. Mm. Um, and, and, and approach it as a movie and mm. tick the boxes you need to tick to make a good movie, yeah. which is uh, character arcs, uh, char uh, um, character story arcs, yeah. uh, driver, mm. um, um, proper protagonist motivation, mm. support characters, twists, write, write a proper script. Yeah. Have you seen this Kristen Kreuk movie? No. Was it good? No. 
<laughs> it was not a good movie, but you'd be surprised it was better than the other one. There's one before it. The older ones, you mean? There's an older movie with... Uh, Jean-Claude Jean Van Damme. No, no, no. With no, no, not that one. Okay. That was truly embarrassing to watch. <laughs> um, no, there's a there's a Ryu and Ken training, and it's got Akuma, and yeah, it was the sort of roundabout the oh, time. Assassin's Fist is what it's called. Yeah, it could be. This one. Uh, that sounds familiar. Yes. Yes. That, I think okay. That's the one. Yeah. So that was um, really <laughs> awful. Uh, but you, you, you kind of feel like you want to watch it because of the, you know, we've been around this game and around these characters for so long yeah. and they're trying to represent those characters. Mm. The, I, there's something about, um, there's something very guilty pleasure about the legend of Chun-Li film. It's, it is pants, but it's an Eastern film made uh, using, I think it's made uh, with a, possibly the Hong Kong production team. Okay. And it's got a different feel about it. Mm. Um, and it's cheesy uh, like those films often are, mm. but mildly entertaining to watch if you're a fan of the game. And it's interesting to watch Chris, the Kristen Crick play this strange character. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you know, all right. Not not really her greatest moment, but no. but yes. Uh, Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. Now this is uh, where things get serious. Gone. No, no. You you seen it? I've seen it a very long time ago. I've seen it about six times. Okay. When it first came out, I loved it. Yeah. I thought this was an amazing piece of uh, uh, art because yeah. it's when the Final Fantasy movies were moving into cinematic high resolution 3d intros yeah and they took the that games. a step further the games yeah. were yeah and they took that a step further in the movies mm. um they built good character it it's if you've never played the games you can still watch the this movie and enjoy it this so final fantasy for me i, I kind of almost grew up on final fantasy i started playing final fantasy can you explain them then quite late on actually so i started playing it uh i started playing it from eight. So I missed the first seven. I did play seven briefly, but I didn't enjoy it so much. From Final Fantasy eight. Yeah. Okay. I've not really played much of them at okay. all. So tell me more. What's the big deal? I think each game is, what are they about? They, they each have their own, there's different stories. Uh, and I think this, is <laughs> Okay. So it's almost like I always watch the movies, but yeah. I never play the games. Okay. So the, the movies, unless you're playing advent children, uh, watching advent children, it's kind of nothing to do with the, the games. I don't know why they call them final fantasy to be honest with you, Cause they are always continuing. And I honestly, if you asked anybody, I don't think anybody could ever really explain the story. They're just independent stories. They're independent stories. Yeah. But they're all very weird. See, this is a bit interesting for you to play because it's very, uh, um, what's the word? I can, I sense there's a lot of cultural significance behind the games. When I say cultural, I mean like Japanese culture significance, uh, within these games because of stuff. I don't even 
I don't even know how, how I can comprehend. So Final Fantasy IX, one of my favorite Final Fantasies, Final Fantasy IX is, feels like it's about um, existential crisis, um, kind of finding, I don't even know, I'm just saying words, honestly. They, <laughs> they're, they're so strange because there's things like other worlds, multi-dimensions, going into another portal because you need to save the planet. And if you do, you have to beat this guy who looks like you and he's your brother. You guys were made in the same test tube lab or something. And it sounds as crazy as it is, but it's the gameplay that kept me hooked and the story and wanting to know and understand and try to understand what's going on was what made me want to play it. It mm. felt like magic. Okay. Um, I don't know. Honestly, it was very... Some of it felt really abstract. They have a large following. Yes. Very, Understandably very so. Understandably so. So to the extent where... Hey, have you watched Kingsglaive? No. Final Fantasy fifteen. No. All right. So... Um, uh, Paul... Um, Aaron Paul. Mm-hmm. Lena Headey. Mm. Uh, Sean Bean. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> these are not... Wow unknown names in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 these characters are voiced by, by major, yeah. major stars. Yeah. And, uh, I, I really, I don't know how much of the Kingsglaive animated movie relates to the game, yeah. but it's a remarkably watchable movie mm. with great voice acting performances from big, big stars. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not, I mean, you know, there are deep concepts in it, mm. um, I, but I don't know. I don't know if they're just making it because it's a nice story and then they're trying to make a game out of a story and maybe that's why it's working. But there are no, I mean, the Final Fantasy, I think films are an exception in that they are reasonably good, goodish films. Yeah. Unlike all the other films that come from games. But that's the thing. So with, obviously with these Final Fantasy films, you're able to recreate scenes that you couldn't recreate in, in these live action yeah. films. So I guess that's the biggest Crazy. difference is that you could do all this amazing magical stuff, whereas you wouldn't be able to touch in a live action film. Um, and if yeah, you tried a, to yeah. recreate yeah. that, it just looked laughable. Like yeah. a lot of the video game films do. Um, but what was it for, for me, it was kind of watching or playing Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy games was my first kind of, uh, so Final Fantasy X was the first, my first kind of introduction to real voice actors. And that's when I started to understand kind of, this is just more than a game. It's, they're actually getting real people to talk yeah. and act for these characters in these games. And it's like, shit, this is like, kind of like a film. That was my first kind of introduction to the, to this whole kind of universe and the concept of it becoming a story or a film and the concept of kind of, using cinematic music in these games was a concept that to me before these games was like unheard of, like voice actors and people who are composing music is like, that's stuff they're going to do for like big movies. So that, that was, that for me was the kind of biggest introduction to the concept of these being more than just video games. So yeah, I, I they were kind of a big part of my childhood growing up. See, there's not been a COD movie. Well, there has been really, if you think about it. 
I mean, basically every other army film that's but existed. That's what I was going to ask. It, it, do you think it's because COD itself is um, trying to simulate an experience that's in, you know, like the whole Saving Private Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, because how do you, how do you, to be fair, I think there are a few Call of Duty games who'd, uh, who that, that do have solid stories and would translate quite well into film. But so Call of Duty, uh, I can't remember, Modern Warfare. Zombie mode. Yeah. Modern Warfare, Zombie mode. The Modern Warfare 4. Yeah. First Modern Warfare, even, so I say. So it was the first and second one. Modern Warfare 2 and the first one. The World War One one. Uh, no, no, no. It was the one um, where it starts off. Oh, on the modern. Sorry, you said modern warfare. Modern I'm warfare. actually listening. The the one that starts up on the ship. How rude! Sorry. Starts no, I'm on... being rude. Not oh, you. Right. Fine. You're forgiven. The one that starts off on the ship. Yes. Um, and then they kind of go through the different thingies, and then they go to the airport. Yeah, you can see that being a John Woo movie of of, of sorts. Yeah, and they shoot up the airport. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That was uh that was very good. That was massively controversial when it came out. Mm, yeah. People were losing their shit. All right. But silly, it seems. Why? Because it was, I think it had just come off the back of a terrorist attack or something and then going to an airport where you're, you as a character are going into a, an airport and you're shooting everything up. You're shooting civilians. So you, you're undercover as a Russian spy or yeah, something. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And you're killing civilians. Hmm. That's a massive, if you, if that's in real life, that's a massive ethical decision to make. Like if you are undercover as a, as a, as a Russian agent or whatever, and you're having to do all this stuff, like what do you do? Do you stop there or whatever? Yeah, that was, I, I remember playing the game and I remember the feeling they, they I think it was, as much as it's controversial, I still think it, 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 it's still smacked of genius. Yes. Because it was slow motion. Yep. They made it emotional. Yeah. You reached an emotional peak at the beginning of the game. They made than you at live that. Yeah. And so you're sort of, I mean, you could get through the scene and not shoot anyone, mm. really. Um, but weirdly, you do. Mm. You just like, you just think, well, am I going to get shot mm. by them? Am I going to, do I have to shoot someone to pass this level? Mm. Which is kind of a parallel of the situation that the character is in. Mm. Do I have to shoot these innocent people to maintain my cover? Mm. And it's, it's extremely mentally uncomfortable. Unsettling, and it's yeah. very clear in my mind now when I think back to it, yeah, which yeah, is same. probably not a good thing. Yeah. Like, um, or is it a good thing? Or is it, you know... I think it got to the point where the, the game actually gave you the option of skipping that mission entirely because it made feel, it made people feel uncomfortable. So I think they'd put a warning in later on that said, you can choose to skip this game because we understand or something. I can't remember what the, the exact wording was. Let's see if we... But you, we, we would never put that. We would never do that with a movie. We would yeah. just give it a rating and stick it in the cinema. Yep. Yeah. But this is the whole thing. Experience again. We're talking about experience. We're talking about putting yourself, you're almost playing a game. You have no, no choice, but to be thrust into the ex, this experience of doing this unethical thing. Yeah. Uh, then how, how, you know, re recreating that in a film is nothing like you just said it. They can just slap a rating onto it, put it in the, in the cinema. We'll watch it. I find that really strange. It's okay for us to watch an exploration of another character outside of ourselves mm. um, 
exploring and playing with difficult situations and often making wrong and unethical unethical decisions that are driven by their their character motivations mm. and that's somehow okay for us to put in movies and watch mm. but people freak out when it's people having that experience mm. personally and subjectively mm. then it's somehow frowned upon it's somehow wrong that we don't want um over 18s which are the people that should be playing this game um having these experiences mm. i mean I can't stop thinking about the fact that no one follows the certification and people buy their 12 year olds, these games, which is, that's yeah. not, not good. Uh, this is the, so I'll read the, um, the notice that came up before the campaign starts. Okay. So disturbing content notice. Some players may find one of the missions disturbing or offensive. Would you like to have the option to skip this mission? And in brackets, it says you will not be penalized in terms of achievements or game completion. So wow. I, I, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, who's actually going to skip that? That sounds like the opportunity of a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm only half joking. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, I paid for this game. It's got some crazy experience in it. This meme says it all. You've just, you've just basically described it. We are terrible people because we were never told to shoot these people. We just did it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. God. So yeah, I feel overwhelmed. I know it's a, it's um an interesting experience. Yeah, and and I, I mean, really, we don't want children playing no things like think, that. I yeah. th I think that it's something that maybe even eighteen. Yeah, I mean, I'm I I know I'm getting old when I'm saying. That. Well, yeah, <laughs> that I think that maybe even eighteen year olds shouldn't be exposed to these kind of things because we know that the teenage mind is is the, 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 the wiring of the teenage brain doesn't settle, doesn't stop being a teenage brain until well into the 20s. See, I'm going to disagree with you there because I played games like this when I was that age. And I went... Oh, so this, did I. So did I. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think we, we're prime examples and, and a lot of my friends are prime examples of, of... So how do you think it's... Okay, let's talk about us. Let's, this, this is the thing we're skipping around. So let's talk about us, me and you. Go on. Do you, how do you think that those things have impacted us? Because we've both kind of grown up playing mm. a lot of these intense mm. games. Mm. I, I think if anything, they've helped... Um, help, help the awareness of things that may happen. And so if I played Call of Duty, for example, if I played this, it would definitely make me question things that happen in the world, right? Because there's a lot of kind of... Cons conspiracy stuff. There's a lot of the warfare stuff that I guess the stuff the behind the scenes that we don't see. Um, but playing these violent games, I don't know whether it's, I couldn't say it's neither positively nor negatively in, uh, impacted my life. Um, the way I've been brought up or the way I, sorry, the way I feel like I've been brought up, it hasn't really changed my world perspective. If anything, it's helped my hand eye coordination greatly um but through playing these games i don't think it's encouraged me to go and want to kill anybody and i think that's the biggest thing that people are afraid of is that they constantly time and time again are blaming video games for these things that happen in the world uh, and I, I i thoroughly disagree with that because i know i could probably name hundreds of people who have played video games growing up and have turned out fine or are severely talented in other areas of their lives. 
So yeah, there, there's there's almost no data yeah. um, backing up those claims, yeah. and there is actually tons of data that shows how beneficial it is mm. for people to uh, have simulated experiences mm. that help educate and uh, educate the brain mm. and allow us to reflect on those simulated experiences mm. and those learnings impact us positively yeah. in life there's a there's entire ted talks on this subject mm. uh which you know those people should watch mm. uh because they're actually by psychiatrists mm. and people who research this stuff for a living mm. so that's just a stupid it's a stupid it's politicized basically yes. it's someone needs to blame someone something yeah. oh you're reading the akala book at the moment mm. it's a it's another extension of that yeah which is that um um what, I don't know how far you've got in the book. Just where we left off that day. Uh, Have you got to him? School. What's the book called again? Um, Natives. Natives, I think. And children of immigrants living in the ruins of empire or something like that? So, yeah, that's the subtitle. Yeah, so I can't uh, book. Uh, yeah, Natives uh, is the name of the race, book. Sorry, yeah, Natives it's called. And the subtitle is Racing Class in the Ruins of Empire. Yeah. So... Uh, I just watched a load of interviews with him talking about the book and um, it's interesting. It's got very, very important things to say. Um, one of the things is that it's really easy for the establishment to mm. blame things that are different for things that they are not taking care of, mm. such as the socioeconomic class divide in this country, which has been here in the UK way before mm. there were immigrants in this country. And now the things that immigrants experience are simply the things that people in different socioeconomic backgrounds experience. Mm. Anyway, read his book to get more on that information. Yep. Games feel like an extension of that. Yes. It's just a thing to blame, mm. which is not a thing to blame. Yep. Um, okay. Well, I didn't expect to get onto these kind of subjects no, today, but that's, yeah. quite, that's quite good. Uh, did you you put Ready Player One? Did you want to just talk about anything specifically about Ready Player One? Did I put Did I put that on the list? I mean, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with uh, Jumanji. In the in it's a, it's a game that's takes inspiration from. I mean, more directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Inspired by um, um, games, the gaming mechanics. Uh, the original story is is mm. heavily inspired. Um, by these things, mm. uh, but it's also a sort of weird nostalgic trip. Yeah. As yeah, well. it's less, less, kind of less edge of tomorrow and more almost, uh, what do you say, rampage, not even rampage. I think it says something important about culture mm. that people are growing up in a world where even though I don't play it, mm. I know what Candy Crush is. Mm -hmm. I know what or lots of these characters are from games that are before my time. Yeah. And yeah. well, I have now have to say after my time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I try and stay aware of them because that's, that feels real. Mm. That's the thing that people have hours and hours of contact with mm. in a, in a, in a game. Hang on, let me just check. 59 minutes. Yes. What's that about structure? <laughs> Sorry, wife. I guess you're. She's right. not the only one. I've had a couple of people say it to me as well. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't I know. Think we're quite structured. I think we are. I think. I think for a, for a conversational format. Yeah. We're reasonably well structured. Yeah. Other people do different formats. The drums help. The drums help. <laughs> uh, um, 
other people have different structures. They have like an interview structure, yeah. which is very easy to structure because it's just question, answer, question, mm -hmm, answer, mm -hmm. move on to the next thing. Conversational yeah. meanders and it's a lot of it's unplanned mm. and we're trying, we're banking on the, like we have had today, mm. the serendipitous outcome of other subjects mm. and, and, and bits of information that mm -hmm. fall into the conversation, yeah. Yeah. which we prefer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, I guess if we made it clear that that is our structure. Well, as soon as that flipping Patreon page goes up, which I will let you know when it does, uh, we can actually yes. tell people if you want to give us advice, it'll cost you a tenant. No, I won't do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll think of a way. Five for a month. Right. Five for a month. It's That's expensive. Very expensive. I wouldn't listen two pound, to two us. Pounds a month. I'm on the podcast and I wouldn't listen to it for a five for a month. <laughs> two pounds a month. A pound a month. I'm not paying. No one is paying. We live in a free economy. Not if people are making a business. If I volunteer, if I put some money in as yeah. a single sum, um, because I want a podcast to do well, that's different to forcing me to subscribe. There's a there's a whole ethic there, which is... Isn't Patreon the one where you got to put is it a subscription thing, isn't it? No, well, you know, you can choose to subscribe, but you just, you become a patron. Right. Can you see what they did there? It's very clever. <laughs> I don't get the Eon bit though. Patreon. I, yeah. And uh, the, I don't know, maybe domain wasn't available. And um, Patreon.com. You just give money because you want the thing, the piece of creative media, art, whatever it is, mm. to survive and exist. Yes. You don't have to. Yeah. But you, it's like when you go, if you're Asian and you go to a holy place. Yeah. But less, but less um, emotionally manipulative. Yes. In that you're not going to sort of. Give the money to the gods. Uh, you, you, you're not thought to have offended the gods by not giving the money in the pot. <laughs> I mean, they have a money pot as you go through into somebody's. <laughs> Temples in India. It's, it's, uh, oh, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, well, so, you know, we can, we can make our new movable religion. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the point of it is. How, how are we doing with, with games now? We finished. I think we're done. We, I, I think, think we're done. We're we, just talking we shit. That. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, but it's nice talking shit with you. Yeah. So, uh, especially around games, I hope that didn't bore the shit out of people. I think we said some interesting things. I think so too. Uh, have you got any takeaways from this conversation that was things that came up that you didn't expect them to? I think, uh, should... I think... There you go, structure. I just made a new point. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we kind of, not as in me and you, I mean, we could be me and you, but going kind of, if, if they, so I know we know, we should know there are a few video game movies in the works, Metal Gear is in the works. Um, I think they're making a dead space film. Oh my word. Uh, it's just about trying to understand how we can translate that full experience, that emotive experience, taking that experience. And then we can try uh, figuring out how to put that onto film and how to make people feel that way. Cause it's, it's not like, it's not like they don't know how to make people feel experiences through watching. I mean, take star Wars as an example, right? We, I suppose more so you, cause you've probably seen them all as they've come out in the, in the cinemas. You have, uh, I'm speaking for you here, but correct me if I'm wrong. You have an emotive experience going to watch, going to the cinema and being able to watch these films, remembering that first time that you watched that first Star Wars when it came out, was it 1978? I think I went to watch Jedi in 
five, possibly. Yeah. I don't know if it was out in nineteen. I don't know how old I was. I'm, assu- I'm assuming I was ten, yeah. which would make it nineteen eighty-five. Sure. Okay. So, <laughs> you just again shocked at how old I am. <laughs> it's really not that amazing. Oh, it's it's trying to kind of recreate that feeling, but it, <laughs> because it's such a subjective feeling, it's such a difficult thing to do and such a difficult thing to replicate that when it comes to film. And I think almost when we have more fi- uh, games that come out that are more cinematic, you know, we've got Far Cry that have, Far Cry that have done such an amazing job with the stories that they put out in, you know, three, four and five, the last three games that have come out have been brilliant in terms of story. I've only played three. Okay. I'll, I'll let you borrow four. It's amazing. Um, it's, we, having more games like this is going to allow us to be ex- kind of experience these films uh, kind of from a, a cinematic perspective. And hopefully they won't be as shit as the last ones in the last decade or something. So I think, you know, Tomb Raider and Rampage are two of the only video game films that have quote unquote high ratings on Rotten Tomatoes out of all the video games. Really? Rampage has? It was Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider was the highest one up until Rampage came out, which was the following weekend. People don't like Kingsglaive. Do they not? I don't know. I'm asking. Did, what do, do people say? It's on Netflix. I mean, it used to be on Netflix. Did that count though? Oh, well, no, they don't like it. Oh my God. My yeah. goodness. 13%. Wow. That's... See, that makes me think because it's obviously an awful film and I'm trying to figure out if it's the fact that I know that it's from a game mm. Um, that I'm putting more, I'm putting more weight on that, mm. uh, mentally, I'm giving it more credit than it deserves because I, what is it that I like? I don't know. I can't I figure mean, it out. By comparison, I mean, you know, if we're going to be specific about things, Rampage got 52%, which for a video game film is high. When you consider a lot of them have been kind of in the low twenties, low uh, upper tens, right? To be fair, I've got that in exams and still passed. Exactly. So, <laughs> 49% for Tomb Raider. No, that's not a pass. Really? 49% for Tomb Raider? Mm. That's very surprising. Yeah. What is this on? Ah, oh, I don't, they, they don't know what they're talking about. It's just bugs. What's so it's on Metacritic? Metacritic for Tomb, Tomb Raider is 48% also. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, I can't say anything then. I've, sh- I've been shuttered up by the... But what does that mean? Uh, this is this is what I don't think is fair to say. Like what? Thirty five percent for Kingsley. That's high. Metacritic. This is. I don't know. This is when. At what point do we say screw your reviews? I thought we did that when we started this podcast. No, as in like as a society. Yes. Um, okay. So because I don't think a review is. Uh, especially a score. I mean, mm. it's, it's a really odd way of, um, this is just an after show now on the end of this podcast. We've yes. finished. Uh, I think a review itself is a really odd way of trying to classify a film because mm. what you're trying to do is take the demographic or the audience that the film is targeted at and expand that as an average across the entirety of the global population to mm. say on average, Everyone on the planet thinks this film is shit. <laughs> well, that doesn't, but if I'm from the demographic that thinks, Oh my God, that's, that's absolutely awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm going to miss out, which yeah. is, I think the reason that, that 
Netflix dropped their reviews. Mm. Um, oh, it is the reason they dropped the reviews because their CEO was on TED and he was saying that he was trying to base their data around people that are watching similar things um, so that he's bridging um, tastes uh, and, and similarities rather than letting people put an average score for something on because I'm going to put a much higher rating on science fiction things yeah. than um, an old friend I grew up with who often used to say, I don't watch space shit. Put a, put a link to that in the references. What's that? Netflix CEO talk. Yes, Hastings. Hastings. Reed Hastings. Yeah. Reed, you read Hastings? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. Taking that company to, you know, Disney Plus sizes in no time at all using technology. Oh, see, you, if, if you can just make a node server, you can build Netflix. All you need is JavaScript. All you need is JavaScript. That should be a song. Probably is a song. All you need is JavaScript. Probably is, I'll be surprised. People make songs about all sorts of things. Should we, uh, you can tap this shit on the end if you want. Yeah. Which is the kind of stuff you could probably get if you're on a, pat if you're a Patreon donator. Only five pounds a month? No. Oh, okay. It really is not. They, we can't do that. That's not a thing. No, it's not a thing. Um, unless you want to, I mean, if you're going to do five pounds a month, and I've seen Patreon people that do that. Yeah. But then you have to have something of value to give to those people. Uh, hello. A <laughs> podcast. No, what? No, go on, what? What are you thinking? Something else of value. Otherwise, I mean, photos of you. As in? Yes, exactly that. That's, yeah. Visuals like that. That picture there <laughs> that you just did, I would send. So you can have these pictures of Goran during the podcast. <laughs> Only five pounds if you're a, a month. If you're a Patreon donator of any amount... Donate 1p on Patreon. <laughs> By the way, we don't have a Patreon page yet. It will be up. Yeah. Just warming you up. Just because... Start you know, saving. <laughs> Start saving that change from Starbucks. Because it's not, it's not cheap, you know? Cheap to run a podcast. No, so it's we, not. We need, we need the money, guys. So help us out. We don't... I, I, I'm going to just... No, yeah. I, I'm going to say we don't need no, the we money. No, we don't. We don't need, don't need... But it would be really nice if we can get to a stage where... I mean, we've had eight, just, I'm only saying this because I've just looked at the stats on Podbean. Yeah. yeah. We've had like 85,000 downloads. Who are these 85,000 downloads? Yeah. I mean, is that just the Chinese <laughs> downloading us? Let's see. Hold on. No, it's uh, just a test. How we 69% of them were United States, which is really interesting, actually. Oh, wow. Even though we don't say very positive things about the States. <laughs> That's sometimes. probably why they listen to us. Maybe half of those are my mum. I'm, I'm just sitting here waiting for an outro. Sorry, I don't, you look really bored. Uh, well, <laughs> if you like that, hit subscribe on Odyssey Collection. We're on iTunes, Acast, Overcast, Stitcher, and all your favourite podcast providers. Um, uh, that's it for us this month. We'll see you next month. We'll be talking about Atman the Wasp. Atman? Atman. He makes apps. Atman. 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 Atman.